RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 2, Episode 18, Noah's Ark Memo from Bob Justman, October 17th, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek background fans, fans of any stripe, but of course, especially you canonistas and, yes, you Trekophiles with an F. Hey, this week we have, uh, we have a journey back to those... Those early roots days of Next Generation, when it was still still just a little embryonic series, uh, hadn't even produced its first Bible yet. Still the very small, what do we call them, the Gang of Four, <laughs> working uh, working on what would be the Next Generation from a blank blank slate. And one of the hallmarks of the Next Generation that would, was designed to set it aside from the original series, that is, a, <laughs> it's a hallmark that we still deal with today was this notion of families aboard the Enterprise-D. We can trace the roots of that, really, back to one of these very early first or second week memos from the great Bob Justman to Gene Roddenberry. So listen to a a sample here, and I'll be right back with our new guest this week. Why should our Enterprise crew be denied the opportunity to live a full and rewarding life? Therefore, I propose that we have men, women, and children on board throughout the whole new series. There would be births, deaths, marriages, divorces, etc. Crew members would go home to the various living quarters aboard at the end of their duty shifts. They'd have dinner with the family, help the children with their homework, or, if unattached, pursue the opposite sex and mankind's oldest imperative, the mating game. What we would have, then, is indeed wagon train to the stars. All right, Trekophiles, and if you're not already following along with us, don't forget that the document this week and every week is right there on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. <laughs> yes, this whole notion of families aboard the Enterprise D or families aboard any starship that's out on the edge of the frontier, that's, that's such a, a, a signature element of the next generation and, of course, one that's been controversial to this day. And I'm just delighted to have a new guest with us this week, uh, new, to the, new to the show. You know her from her work on Voyager for three seasons where she was behind uh, episodes such as Innocence and Blood Fever and actually began by pitching on DS9 with one credit there, Hippocratic Oath, that you will know. Um, Lisa Klink also wrote uh, Borg Invasion 4D at The Experience. She was executive story editor also on Earth Final Conflict from Gene Roddenberry's production company. Worked on many other series after that, Roswell, uh, Martial Law, and today she is a novelist working on a series with uh, Joel Goldman, All In and All Gone, (laughs) and the Dead Man series. Lisa, it's so great to have you here. Uh, We got to talk back in the day when you were on Voyager. Thanks for coming aboard the Trek Files. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. It kind of caught your eye when we were looking at some potential topics. Um, so you were a Next Generation fan, so this is no stranger to you. And but you had to, you know, it was a different prism working on Voyager. But some of the same issues still arose about this whole thing about family or just just relationships to begin with, right? It's an old 
Captain Kirk, he's married to the ship. You know, he can't have a... You know, the 60s meme of what relationships meant in a setting like this and then how that evolved over the ages. And this is kind of one step along the way, but it it never was a never-ending question that that writers and, I guess, audiences all had to grapple with, right? We did. And I think that we actually even didn't dig into it as much as we could have. I mean, we didn't see people go home to their families and help their kids with their homework and have dinner with the spouse. Uh, On Voyager. On Voyager, or really much on Next Generation. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and they didn't really explore, you know, can... uh, um, mother and father go on an away mission together and you know what about the risk for the kids and all that kind of thing so i think there were elements of of the families that really could have gotten dug into a little more deeply yeah well in in 86 it was again back to the time when the paradigm was kirk spock and mccoy and the whole concept of the next generation was shocking enough and a small percentage of fandom didn't want to accept it at all but in trying to come up with what would be I mean, every iteration of Star Trek is this eternal battle between it's got to be exactly the same as everything else, except but different. different. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so in trying to search for that, what would be the same, what would be different? And, and Bob Justman here, the great Bob Justman, is, is, is putting this out. One of, the, one of the knocks against the life that we saw in the original series, and maybe even through some of the movies, was this notion of Starfleet being, you know, you had to choose between family and career. And they're all single. It sets up a lot of fun shore leaves, maybe. But what kind of a quality of life are you denying people in Star? I mean, that was what was behind Gene's, um, I think, as they re-examined the original series, what was great and maybe what was what was not so great. And his think tank here of Bob Justman and David Gerald and Dorothy Fontana and Eddie Milkus, um, they were looking at what they would tweak, right, coming in. So what, you're a fan of The Next Generation as well mm-hmm. as working on Voyager. What, how do you think that played out? Like you said, though, you can put it on paper, and whether you like it or not, now how, how much do you fulfill it? Do well, you- I think it also kind of pointed to a, an ambiguity about what is Starfleet exactly? Is it the military? Because <laughs> if it is the military... I don't want my kids on a battleship. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be going into war with the Klingons or the Romulans or Alien of the Week, you know, with my kids on board. So is Starfleet military? Is it an exploration? Is it a diplomatic mission? I think that that was never fully defined. And so it was always, I think maybe that's why they hesitated to address the family issues so directly, because... If you keep reminding people that there are children and babies on board, and then the next week you get into a life-or-death battle with the Romulans, it, it doesn't sit too well together. Yeah. Well, that was supposedly the uh, the, the catch for that was supposedly the, the saucer separation, right? Yes. So, oh, no, we'll just put everybody on the saucer and zip it out of there, and we'll fight with the battle section. Yes, or, and the Romulans will totally ignore it. <laughs> right, right. There's the big white flag. Yes. They're on the, well, you know, they did. There's, there's two ways to look at this. One is, should you do it or not? Then the other, the other aspect of this whole discussion is, okay, if you're going to do it, now how do you handle it? How do you fulfill it? And there was an early attempt in the early years... Um, um, for whom the bow breaks. I mean, to have kids involved, the bonding. Ron Moore's mm-hmm. first script mm-hmm. was about the the son of a widowed mm-hmm. uh, of a of a of a late mother. His mother died on an away mission, and dealing with an orphan. But yeah, the the uh, 
the aspects of actually dealing with the ramifications of this, unless you had star power, like you had Alexander with war for... Yeah, but you didn't see just the regular characters, even on Next Generation, everybody was single. I mean, you could have had, for instance, maybe Geordi was married, you know, and we could have explored what it was like. And even though, you know, Beverly Crusher had a son... We, again, we didn't see the family unit of how do you, you know, tell your spouse about your day right. and, you know, oh, so sorry, but, you know, the warp core, warp core almost exploded, but hey, <laughs> lucky us, it didn't. You know, how how does that play out, again, on a battleship, essentially? Yeah, and so then we get five, six years in and suddenly it's this radical notion to have Chief O'Brien <laughs> yeah. suddenly be married and then suddenly be a father and... and you know, after five or six years in, we're going to talk about let's have that lens. Yeah. And let's look at some stories and then bring that over to DS9 when it happened. But where, where it's magnified even more because there you've got the Cisco's. Um, it's not such a family issue there, but you have some dads. Again, there was a but lot of like parent and child, but, you know, the, you know, the traditional mother, father and child, we didn't really get to see very much. Right. Well, then you've got poor Annika Hansen where her parents, they weren't Starfleet, but they, well, they were Starfleet. They they run off on their own, and, but you see that's and, the and, worst case scenario. Yeah. What could possibly happen to your baby? What could but not they're going to get blown up by the Romulans. They're going to get captured by the Borg for right. God's sake and assimilated, right? Well, see, and, and going back to Bob's memo here, he uh, he does he he realizes what he's getting into here a little bit. He says most of the time we would not make a big deal out of the presence of children on board. We just see them in various areas of the ship in passing. But he does say, I propose that certain specific family members would become part of a continuing story thread throughout the various episodes. So it's like they become, they're around to be sea stories, which is kind of plausible, but then it never really, they never really fulfilled that. Well, again, here's another dynamic between do you want to have like a story arcs over the whole season or do they all need to be standalone? I remember on Voyager, we were very specifically told to do standalone episodes Mm -hmm. uh, because we were in syndication. And I imagine it was a similar thing on Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, is that you didn't, to play out a full courtship and marriage and children as an ongoing story would kind of conflict with the idea of everything being episodic. Right. So you have to kind of balance, you know, oh, yeah, remember O'Brien's kid? Yeah, we're going to see them again in six more episodes. <laughs> right, pop up when, yeah, and it turns into when, when, we can, when can we get the actors and, and, and all when that. when can we get is, the child, yes. driving it. But, um, I mean, Voyager, you all did have, there was a time when they were trying to grapple with that. I, I, the one that comes to mind really is the Kazon trader on board. Yes. That tried it. That was second season when you were you were involved. Mm-hmm. And it, I know Jerry Taylor was never really happy. It felt very... They always felt like it was just stuck into the plot of the week. Yeah. The, the Kazon really were never quite as successful as everybody hoped that they would be. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, specifically this arc of having a traitor on board. And this has nothing to do with families. Yeah. But even just the fact of trying to get a little bit of a running arc over five or six or seven episodes was never really fulfilling... Yeah, we we did try that a couple of times. I mean, you know, we had, you know, the Neelix Kess relationship. We had the Paris Torres relationship that, again, kind of played out gradually, but not never really as an A story and never as kind of the spine right. of, of a season. Well, now to be to be to, to put some plaudits here. Yeah, Kess Neelix just never... <laughs> never quite clicked. <laughs> never no. quite got there. But Tom and Bellana obviously, mm-hmm. did fulfill. And it and it was a slow burn or a slow boil yes. for a long time. And that, I mean, I would think that was an example of one that did work. Yes, and, it did. And there were some spotlight episodes 
you know, Day of Honor was a you know some of the landmarks in their relationship did turn out to be uh, yeah, and they did eventually get married, and we did at some point talk about possibly you know them having kids because uh, the actress um, Roxanne Biggs Dawson actually was pregnant mm-hmm. at some point, and there was some talk about do we incorporate this into the show, but then the idea of having this baby that we would have to deal with pretty regularly because both of them were series leads, and so we could not have Bolana stories without some reference to the baby. And that was something that people just didn't really want to deal with. They didn't. So that was obviously discussed. So unlike, uh, well, on DS9 solves Nana Visitor's pregnancy with having her carry a baby for the O'Brien. Exactly. So we just doubled down on our existing family on DS9. Yes. But right, they they just found a bigger engineering jacket for Bellana and some bigger consoles to stand behind. And had her stand behind stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) all the way. But it was a a topic of conversation in the room. Yeah. It was. We debated it. Well, and then later on, that family, there was a little bit of the seven Janeway dynamic of being adults. But a, a mothering adult, uh, mothering relationship there. But then turning it around to when they brought the—I always still call them the dronelings. Yeah. Uh, it was it was after your time, but when they they found the um, de-assimilated yes. board kids yes, and brought the them aboard, yeah. And they had that was a little bit of a, you know, cousin Oliver moment there for, <laughs> for Voyager, and, yes. and especially with each ship, they were able to do some really good uh, and 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 have seven transfer from being the being the the child in the relationship to being the mentor parent mm-hmm. in the relationship there but yeah literally they never you know tom and Para, tom and balana finally had their kid in the last five minutes of the finale yeah so, they, so we didn't so, ever have to deal with right. them again yeah <laughs> some stories out of it though dealing with it but but as far as having the dynamic of family and relationships yeah the knock on next generation has always been how crazy to have families on a battleship no matter how many little caveats for for escape you put in. But would that have fundamentally altered Next Generation, though, to just approach it just like the original series? And I think it would have skewed more toward the military. I think mm-hmm. it really would have seen more like a dangerous place to be, um, that they wouldn't have tried to even put in those caveats of, you know, you could separate the saucer to get the civilians out of the way because there would have been no civilians. And I think that might have been a little cleaner, personally. Yeah. Well, it sure would have made situations like having, you know, Wesley Crusher with his mother there would have been a would have been the exception, not the rule. And possibly it would have been tough to jam in, I think, even a teenager, because, again, it's like, why are we making the exception exception for this kid and not my kid? You know, and everybody coming to the captain saying, well, wait a minute, my kid's smart, too. You know, you, <laughs> you wouldn't want to get into all of those yeah, dynamics yeah. either. And, of course, to be fair, the, the, the initial dynamic with Next Generation was that they were not going to be two weeks out of Earth all the time. They were, going to go, they were going to go away for this five-year mission. And it really would be out on the fringes. We would not see them. And if you if you wanted to have a if you didn't want to postpone your life, you could mm-hmm. bring your family along, or you could choose to get married and, and still work on a mission like that, which was the original forethought. And of course, we've got all these years to. I know it's hard to separate out now. Um, yeah, what it is. would have happened? Because although they didn't lean on the concept of family all the time, it's definitely woven in. To the fabric of it is. Although, like I said, I think they could have explored it even more deeply than they did. Oh, you know, it's yes. like once you're going to set up that interesting, dramatic tension of your family on your battleship, I think they could have really dug into it even better. It got really easy to uh, to get away from that at times until until you didn't. Oh, look, we need Alexander to be in a schoolroom. Yeah, with we other want kids. Picard with a bunch of kids on the bridge. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. We want Picard trapped in a turbo lift with the three kids. We need <laughs> Captain Picard Day for a joke. Yes. So you know. 
all of that. Well, it's nothing we're going to say today is going to change any of that, but it's <laughs> interesting to see, you know, the roots of that. And once again, that that was um, that was a pendulum swing away from the, whether we think about it or not. It was definitely one of the things they tried to set out to make next generation different. And it did. And they certainly it, did. It certainly did. It certainly did. Lisa, thanks. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, thank you for um, having me. Let's have you back very soon. Okay. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at LarryNemichek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.